Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. On this episode, we'll be discussing ability in Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Yeah, this is an interesting topic. We haven't had this one before. Mm-hmm. So I guess for, for our, our first question for ourselves, uh, I think it'd be a good thing for us to kind of talk about our own experiences with physical and, and mental ability. Yeah. And don't say that you have a superpower because you don't. I, I wish I had a superpower, but <laughs> alas, I, I do not. Um, unless sleeping a whole lot all the time is a superpower. Always being able to sleep Always being even able to sleep. if you've slept a lot. Yeah, on a plane, <laughs> if I've slept 12 hours the night before. Whatever, I can sleep. <laughs> I wish I had that superpower. <laughs> no, I I am a, a fairly able-bodied and 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 I, I haven't had much issues with mental health either. I have never been diagnosed with depression or anything like that. Although I have been to see mental health specialists uh, at times where I felt like that's needed in my life. So I definitely come at this from an able-bodied perspective. Yeah. So for me, I have not been so fortunate. I have chronic pain and fatigue, so that's a daily thing that I deal with. I have a lot of food allergies, so there's a lot of things that I cannot eat, which obviously limits where I can eat and when I can eat sometimes, and can be socially isolating when everyone else wants to go certain places or eat certain foods and and I cannot. I also have had mental health issues, specifically with depression and or anxiety, which is just kind of a part of my genetic makeup, unfortunately. Uh, it does run in my family, and I, yeah, have seen therapists in the past, and that's definitely been helpful, but in the end, medication is a necessary part of my life but mm. with that it's definitely gotten a lot better not that I don't still deal with it sometimes sometimes worse than others but it's it kind of comes back oftentimes more in in relation to the the chronic pain and, and fatigue so they all just feed into each other and get along so well <laughs> They're, they're just a nice community. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that is my background and where I'm coming from. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, and one of the reasons why uh, we put this as a theme on, or at least why I thought this was a good theme to have as part of our, our podcast, is is because I've certainly learned a lot you know, through you about ability and disability and, and, and what it it means to live with with that kind of chronic illness. I'm still learning mm-hmm. quite a bit about that. And so, you know, coming from an able-bodied perspective, for sure, like this, I think, is even less common a form of analysis than things like race or gender might be in these kinds of things. So mm-hmm. that it, it might be a more novel way of, of looking at them. And especially with Avatar, we've got a lot, a lot to discuss, for sure. For sure. Well, with that, we have a quote today. This quote is from the episode The Northern Air Temple in Book 2 of Avatar The Last Airbender when Aang is showing off to Tio some of his airbending skills. And Tio says, Wow, I don't think I can do that. But here's a good one. And he proceeds to, with his glider, make an amazing drawing in the sky of Aang looking annoyed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, when when you brought this quote up, I thought it, it actually was a really great one because Tio, as someone who is in a wheelchair, I think that that you know these kinds of fantasy type uh, fiction can really say a lot about these kinds of issues. But he shows that he's not limited by his ability, and as you mentioned to me earlier, his his attitude towards it is so telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that he's perfectly fine to say, oh. I can't do that, but here's something I can do that I get pure joy out of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think I think that attitude is really cool. I admire that attitude because I don't always have that attitude myself. <laughs> Such a surprise to hear for me. <laughs> oh, shut up. But but that's the thing is like it, it's it's wonderful to see that with Tio, but I also don't think the show shows that as like the expected or the appropriate attitude, right? Mm-hmm. It's wonderful if you have that that you know, ability to be that positive. But if you're dealing with issues of chronic illness, then sometimes it's it's very, very difficult to have that kind of positivity. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see both sides of that, but I, I think that showing that with T.O. is really wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't we, we go on into our analysis of Ability and Avatar then? We should, and you are up with character. I am up with character. And so I decided to bring in Toph. Toph Beifong. Yay! Um, one of my favorite characters. She's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. She's wonderful. And I think that uh, Toph isn't a really clear example of, of how to look at ability because she is a blind person. And I love that the show never forgets that. Mm-hmm. I love that, that the show never, you know, she has the ability to sense vibrations in the earth, which, you know, in some ways makes her more able to perceive her surroundings, but in a very specific way. And so she she could very well have gone seasons without them even really mentioning that, you mm-hmm. know? But I like how they bring it up. And again, they don't bring it up in a kind of despairing way, you know, similar with Tio. Like, I love that Toph jokes about it. Like, those are some of my favorite mo- Toph jokes is when she jokes about how she can't see. Like, when they're looking at a map or something and she's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And then everyone looks at her kind of funny and she's like, I can't see. Because she seems, you know, to not be blind so often. But she mm-hmm. does call that out and she does. She never kind of just lets that slide either, uh, which I, I really, really appreciate. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's a really fascinating attitude to have towards mm-hmm. that kind of ability, especially because... She is such an amazing earthbender, you know? Mm-hmm. She is so great at the thing that she is passionate about and the thing that she loves uh, better than anyone else in the world. And I think that, that that's really powerful because, you know, when, when we are dealing with these kinds of fantasy or sci-fi style uh, genre media, the metaphor is what's so important, right? Mm-hmm. And here, the metaphor is, is, I think, so clear that just because you have different abilities does not mean that you can't be great. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really wonderful lesson to have, especially in a children's show, you know? We mm-hmm. forget because we're super nerdy adults who are really into the show <laughs> that this is me- meant for children. And how mm-hmm. many children with different abilities are out there who get to see these kinds of representation and don't typically don't get to see this in mm-hmm. animation meant for children. So I think that representation is, is really important. And I think that Toph is a, is a great character for that because she also doesn't, she doesn't engage in, I think, some of the negative tropes that come with it. You know, so often people who have different abilities, they kind of get shoehorned into everything is defined by that ability, right? Mm-hmm. And 
so if they are an evil person who happens to have a mental health issue, it's because of that mental health issue, right? If they're a villain, like, and mm. it's not because of a wider set of characteristics. And I think that, you know, Toph can be really rough around the edges. She can be very selfish and self-centered. She can be pretty cold and ungiving. And I don't think the show ever ties that into her blindness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that just comes from her background and her, the, more than anything, from the way her parents treated her than from her actual physical ability, which I think I think is really, really great. And again, wonderful representation, much better than you'd expect in a show of, its, of you know, meant for children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that, yeah, that part of, like, just kind of her snarkiness and her sarcasm with it, I mm-hmm. think is what some people really do gravitate towards when they have different abilities. And and that's something that, like, some of my friends who also have different, like, chronic health problems, one has chronic Lyme disease mm. and another, like, lupus and whatnot. It's something that when we get together, like, we're just, like, making sarcastic comments and just, like, laughing and joking about, like, our own health conditions all the time and it, i mean it's sometimes it's like that you have to joke about it because if you don't like you're just not gonna get out of bed sort of thing mm-hmm. but yeah i think there is something to having that attitude where you can be a little like you don't take something that is very serious about your life as seriously in some moments and mm-hmm. it like alleviates some um so i appreciate that her character does have that also something I think about her that, you you know, you were talking about how amazing it is to, to see that she's not as limited by it, like that she's still able to be such a powerful and like talented character. And I totally agree with that. At the same time, I would still be annoyed with the representation because it's like, oh, she's blind, but she can kind of see. Mm. If they didn't have some circumstances where it was just a detriment to to her, her well-being, and others around her, right? So I was thinking about the um, the episode in the desert mm. when Appa is stolen because she's the only one out there. The rest are down in the library, and it starts sinking, and she's on sand, and she can't see the same way that she normally does on any type of normal ground. And it makes her completely vulnerable. And, you know, Appa is stolen because of it. If she had been on her normal ground, that never would have happened because she's so powerful. But it does make her vulnerable. And anytime they're flying, she's like, hates it because she's not on the ground. She can't see anything. And and even at the, at the very end, you know, Sokka has to like grab her hand and like run with her because there's all this stuff going on and people are sending fire and she can't see it, you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I like that they still kept some of her vulnerability in there. I think that that's really important. Yeah, that's not a really great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about your plot? So my plot actually ties in nicely with your character. It is about Toph. And as you mentioned, her using these kind of like vibrations of the earth to kind of get these outline pictures of it's, it's kind of almost like echolocation in a way, but like through the ground, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's really cool that she discovered this as a blind person, but she kind of learned it from the badger moles. Mm-hmm. 
or learned earthbending from then and because all of the badger moles are blind as well and I thought it was so cool that she learns not only a survival technique but like a kind of life-giving passion of hers from other people who are similar to her and who are also have the same certain limitations that she does but that it doesn't just stop there she teaches Aang about that he normally never would have been able to learn that never would have even thought about learning it if he hadn't learned it from her and so I just I think it's really cool that that's in there and I think it it really shows that yeah there are things that people who are not able-bodied only they can discover and only they can understand and others can like learn from it Mm. and that the people who aren't able-bodied can you know be the teachers in there so I really liked that yeah yeah I appreciate that too I also like that you know this kind of goes away from the metaphor of ability but into the kind of metaphor of diversity because the reason Toph is able to change earthbending and create metal bending and things like that is because she sees the world from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of the more we have people who have, who have different perspectives dealing with things, the more unique, innovative problem solving we'll have. And I think that's a really, really good example of that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I really agree. And, you know, because like so often society people don't think that they have anything to learn from people who are less able than mm-hmm. they are but avatar is just like no you're wrong <laughs> and they're right yes <laughs> they are wrong <laughs> they're right they're wrong exactly <laughs> they they're all, yeah <laughs> well i have a compelling question for you ooh what is that compel me how do you think the you know, concept of ability connects with the fact that the majority of the people in Avatar's world do not have the ability to bend. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's interesting Mm -hmm. because the majority of the people in the Avatar world don't have bending abilities, or or so it seems. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this show is about the people who do. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. So you have instances where there's like Sokka who feels pretty down on himself in in an episode or two. And it's just like, I'm not special. Like, you all are special. I am just like the ordinary person here. Mm. I'm the regular among your special. And I think that... You know, he has a whole episode about it where he learns and he gets his own master who also isn't a bender and and he learns um, how to, you know, do more combat fighting. Mm -hmm. And I think something that is this interesting phenomenon (laughs) in our society is that we have so much i mean with all of the superhero movies that have come out obviously decades of comics and stories like so much of our imaginations and our like fantasy and sci-fi worlds focus around people with abilities that are other than the baseline of what is you know considered normal society Mm -hmm. and 
so yeah, I think it's, I kind of wish in some ways that there was more non-bending characters, or at least another non-bending character who wasn't an excellent, you know, fighter too. You know, what else would they be good at? Because it seems like in stories in general, you they need to be, they need to have something that they're great at. And... I don't know. I don't I don't know how that translates to real life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't maybe some people feel unspecial because we just feed ourselves things of stories about special people. Mm-hmm. And and at the end of the day, most of us are average, right? I mean, that's that's what average is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Those are those that's my initial vomit <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that, that's that's a really really good way of putting it though because i mean i i honestly think about it very much in terms of like the x-men oh shocker yeah uh, <laughs> your favorite yeah spoiler alert my my favorite comic book series which is saying something so the x-men are a big deal to me but um my one of my favorite podcasts jane miles explain the x-men jay editing talks a lot about how the mutant metaphor in those comics is less appropriate to deal with in regards to race and more in regards to ability. And I've been trying to read more about that kind of analog there and kind of get my head around that because it's really interesting because in that one, those who have these different abilities, what we would say are, are, are more than, than the average ability, are also persecuted, right? And many of those mm-hmm. abilities are actually very harmful to them and others, right? Mm-hmm. That and it's not just kind of as easily as it is in, in Avatar, where it kind of is just an accepted part of society that these people have this. And if anything, they are typically exalted because of it. So mm-hmm. uh, it definitely comes from a different perspective because, yeah, in Avatar, uh, you know, it's especially seen in book one of Korra how finally the people who don't have bending abilities start rising up and they start feeling, oppre- mm-hmm. you know, showing the fact that they feel oppressed and things like that. And so I wonder, yeah, how how well these kinds of metaphors can fit when we're looking at storytelling, like as you were mentioning, that's dealing with people with extraordinary ability. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think that is the thing that Avatar doesn't really touch on that much except with book one of Legend of Korra. Yeah, the fact that if we used the people with bending ability as kind of a a lens to look at able-bodied people Mm -hmm. in general, and then you could see like the disadvantages that others who aren't able-bodied might face when you have people in power in general who are able-bodied and are the ones who are in government and in the positions of power for the like law enforcement and all of this and they're making decisions that affect those who don't have those same abilities and sometimes those people without those abilities you know don't really have much power to stop that and yeah I think that that's that's a huge thing and obviously a really significant problem in our society is that the people who are making the laws and policies they aren't looking at things from the perspective of such a wide range and variety of less able-bodiedness they're looking at it from like a neurotypical physically able stance Mm -hmm. and that doesn't only marginalize people who don't fall into those categories but it also you know can actively oppress them so yeah i think if we look at it that way then it could 
it could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, I mean, it is kind of telling because, you know, most of the stories aren't about the people who aren't able-bodied. Right. It's just about the people who have advantages. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you have a question for me regarding ability in Avatar? I do. So I just kind of have, like, a broad question of where do you see cases of mental health issues in either Avatar or Legend of Korra? Because we've talked a lot about, like, physical ability, but what about mental? A great, great question. I think that in Korra, uh, in Korra Book 4, it seems like she's suffering from PTSD. And, and obviously it's never discussed that way really but to me i think that that's a really clear metaphor for that absolutely um, and, and how it affects her and that that i wish they could have done a better job on honestly um because i i feel like i, I don't know a lot about ptsd but I, I don't think it's it's helpful to have this trope of like you know once you face your fear it is you'll move past it you know mm-hmm. i think that from what i understand about ptsd that's not how that works you can't just have yeah. immersion therapy to get over it and and i think that's something that that things do a lot of and and they don't do that completely with Cora but um I think that you know that could have been a missed opportunity of where they could have done better for sure I agree other cases I see of of mental health I think that uh Zuko's rage comes from being an abused child Mm. um so I think that he he's certainly experienced trauma as well I don't know if it'd be PTSD or, or some other mental health diagnosis obviously i'm not a professional and <laughs> i don't very feel comfortable like saying straight diagnoses and then azula has paranoia towards the end of, of the series as well so uh and then I, I imagine that that yeah that fire lord ozai has some form of narcissistic personality disorder um <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, you can say a few of the villains in the series do <laughs> anyone who's gonna name themselves a phoenix king <laughs> might... <laughs> yes yes exactly oh, no. <laughs> uh what were you thinking though yeah i i think that maybe iroh might have experienced depression mm. after his son died because he just he gave up yeah and he surrendered and he left and then later he he seemed to process it and and deal with his his grief and his mourning and in ways i mean he obviously still would grieve and mourn for it but he he didn't have prolonged periods of depression it seemed like he changed a lot in that process, mm. which is really interesting. Another bit, which I kind of wonder about while, while I was thinking about this question, which I think is kind of problematic, which I don't like to say because I love mm. Avatar and they do so well with so many things. But in the episode with the, the painted lady, mm-hmm. there's that one character who... Mm. changes his hat <laughs> i love how it, the dawning came uh he changes his hat and like like but he like thinks he's different people yeah so he's like doc or shoe or bushy mm. and like he changes and they have different vocations and he doesn't realize that he's the same person and so i don't know if but, like, it's all in a very comical way. Yeah, it's done and as a joke. Yeah, so it's done as a joke, and so I think that's problematic with, obviously, people who have um, dissociative identity disorder. And so, yeah, 
that's that's a a bit of a fail on their part. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but I never thought about it before until I was thinking. I'm like, oh wow, oh no, yeah, <laughs> oh bad. And then again, it shows the responsibility that you have as as a kid's show because. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to fall in the trap of, this will be a funny bit for the kids, you Mm -hmm. know? And if he, if it showed, like, he knew he was doing this and he was just trying to mess with the kids, you know, and he would, like, wink to them or something, but that's not the way it seemed, at least to me. But it is kind of interesting. Like, I think, yeah, it's, it's a fail on how they deal with it, but it's interesting if you look at it in a way of social commentary, that, like, these kids are looking at it and they think this person is super weird and they don't get it and they might laugh at it or whatnot and that is how a lot of people would react and i think that is how a lot of kids react their parents haven't had any conversations with them about what these things mean and for most media representation and almost all video game representation you know at least in terms of able-bodiedness not necessarily mental health issues but like yeah i think you it's just it's not represented especially in in things for kids and uh, yeah i think that is how they would react to to a lot of things that they don't understand yeah absolutely yeah and unfortunately some adults too just some (laughs) (laughs) i mean hopefully adults won't be snickering but who knows, maybe somewhat. Well, do you have a missed opportunity for me? I do. So my missed opportunity is if we take the metaphor of ability and turn bending into more of a baseline typical ability. Mm-hmm. You can bend making you an able-bodied person, right? Uh-oh. You might take mine, but it's okay. We'll see. I think it would have been interesting to have more of the Zuko-Azula relationship be focused on her greater ability to bend, right? Mm. Oh, you didn't go where I'm going, so that's good. That is good. Zuko talks a lot about how everything comes easy to Azula, right? Mm-hmm. And how, how you know, lucky she is in all that kind of thing. How she hasn't had to try as hard as he had. And I certainly have as an able-bodied person you know i grew up being naturally really good at like testing you know which happens to be the way that we administer school in america you know Mm -hmm. it's all focused on this one type of intelligence that i happen to have right and so that means that i didn't put the work into things that i should have you know and that that definitely led to a lot of hubris and a lot of um of issues uh and and in building a work ethic and I think it would have been very interesting if they had actually kind of, a, you know, brought gone into that where it wasn't just that Azula, because of, of her paranoia and, and the issues that she had going on mentally, she was more able to be defeated by by Zuko and Katara, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think it would have been really interesting if, in the similar way that, like, Toph was innovative because she was coming from a different perspective, bringing in that innovation or the rewards of hard work or something that makes it so that Zuko actually gained enough power in his bending because of his different, you know, natural quote-unquote ability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have been an interesting kind of way of looking at that. But again, I, I think this thing you have to look at through a metaphor that's altered because yeah, for sure. if you look at it kind of through general our like our 
our typical ability, then it starts, I think, possibly being problematic of Mm -hmm. being like, you know, saying saying that someone has more or less ability or um, should or should not be doing what kind of work because of that, I think can can definitely skew extremely problematic as well. But I guess it just would have been interesting to to have more of a that that be part of their relationship, especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what is your missed opportunity? So my missed opportunity is a big one. This one, it bugged me at the time, and like the more I've thought about it, the more it bothers me. Mm-hmm. It actually comes from the first season of Legend of Korra. Okay. So basically. Amon has developed this... What Mon? Amon. Which Mon? Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a woman. No, no Mon. <laughs> no, that just sounds like I'm being racist. Yeah, that's <laughs> a bad caricature. Of <laughs> that's not how I meant that. Uh, um, so, Amon has developed this, like, super ability of being able to take people's bending away. Mm-hmm. And my big problem is that a lot of people get their bending taken and their life as they knew it is shattered. It's Mm. devastated. Like they don't, they don't, they don't know who they are anymore. They don't know how to be anymore. And I think a lot of people who have lost abilities in their life can probably relate to that. At least I can. But then everybody gets their abilities back. Mm-hmm. And it just ties it all neatly up in a nice bow at the end. And that was so frustrating to me because no one has to sit with permanent loss of ability. And so it's just like, what does that say about the personhood of people who don't have specific abilities? You know, it's like, oh, well, this is a happy ending because everybody gets their abilities back and they're able to be how they were before. Mm. But that's not the reality that not only a lot of people face in general, like throughout their lives, but in the end for the vast majority of people in general, they're going to experience that in old age if they make it to old age, right? And so it's like... Yeah, I think it's in some ways is like saying this isn't the happy ending. Losing your ability like this is that's sad and we can't end there. Hmm. Um, instead of being like, this is the new reality for them. And it, it does suck and it's sad and it's terrible and some days will be good and some days will be bad and some some of those people will find other ways to be and other things to enjoy in life and others won't. And that that's a part of life. And, you know, maybe that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I I would like that a lot better too, yeah. I mean, nobody wants some of them to lose their bending because, (laughs) ah, but nobody wants to lose any abilities, you know? And and, and that's the point. And, And these characters don't have to be only interesting and worthwhile and exciting if they have their, you know, if they have their abilities. You know, if they don't, why can't they be that anyway? Yeah, yeah, that's actually really fascinating. Uh, my other possible uh, missed opportunity was going to be on if Tenzin, one of his children, wasn't an airbender. Mm-hmm. And showing parents dealing with children who don't have the abilities that they have. And I, I know that my, my brother has been diagnosed on the spectrum, and my dad has had a very difficult time dealing with that at times. 
And I know that, that parents sometimes just, yeah, it's hard for them to understand and to deal with. And I, that would have been an interesting representation too, because because going back mm-hmm. to representation, yes, it's a fantasy show, but representation is important. And so for those who have lost ability, as you mentioned, being able to see that and actually deal with the repercussions of that for mm-hmm. a character would have added so much to the show. Really I agree. Well, so the only, you get like a tiny glimpse into that kind of idea with Tenzin, Kaya, and Boomy. Because mm. Boomy is a bender, right? Yeah. But then they take that away in season three. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's special <laughs> now. That's true. So, and I understand why, like, at least in, in that point, it was just like, oh, because this will be, like, fun, mm. you know, and, like, funny. But, yeah, it, it kind of misses some of these wider these wider topics that they could have they could have dealt with in in a good way yeah to increase the representation and and thinking about and and um you know hopefully them that sparking conversation and a little bit more understanding yeah absolutely because that's the thing i think it's it's not going to come naturally for able-bodied people you know it's, it's not yeah and so that's why it's like people have to be taught. They have to learn to look at things through other perspectives and to understand their own privilege and understand if ways in which they act and interact with people like are insensitive or are ableist and, and things like that. And I think, yeah, the younger you start, the, the better. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have a, a takeaway from this discussion? I don't know if my takeaway is that I kind of want to watch other things now <laughs> in terms of kind of looking at that lens of like the these people with these super special abilities as the norm of our mm. able-bodied society. I'm doing a lot of air quotes, which you can't see, <laughs> but you can hear in my sarcastic voice. I can see them. <laughs> and like looking at them... And then looking at people who don't have those abilities and kind of, yeah, just kind of flip the lens of of what I'm watching. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, I think my takeaway is uh, it relates to a conversation that we had before we started uh, about kind of being a little bit more hesitant with this this topic mm-hmm. because it's not quite as, as monolithic. With ability, there are many different kinds of of mental and physical illness that people can suffer through. And so it is, uh, I, I shouldn't say any way of analysis or oppression is a monolithic because obviously mm-hmm. it isn't, um, especially when you look at intersection intersections between them. Exactly. But, but there are some more common shared experiences <laughs> where someone in the, in the idea of ability, someone with one disability may have like a completely different set of, experiences than someone with a different disability mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and so, like yeah it is just has a lot more facets mm-hmm. to like the category of ability yeah absolutely but but with that kind of conversation coming into here i'm seeing more the importance of that kind of representation in in particular children's programming but in in media in general because i think that these can be difficult conversations especially you know I can't say I'm coming at this from a personal experience. And so I may very well be saying things that are 
are ableist or that are incomplete, you know, or unnuanced ways of looking at things. And, And that's not my intention, but having these discussions is the best way for me to start learning about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it might be easier to have these kinds of discussions about fictional characters because this is something where we can look at metaphor and we can look at at other ways of analysis that is a little bit more accessible and not not to mention fun, you know. And so, yeah, I think that that, that having that in these kinds of media is important because it allows for for that kind of discussion and analysis in ways that that sometimes can be difficult. And it doesn't put all of the burden on people who are less able-bodied to explain it to you. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, what will we be discussing next week? So, next week, we're going to be back on with Star Wars. Yes. And let's get our topic. Loss. Loss in Star Wars. Yes. Okay. That'll be a good one. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also send us an email at geekbetween at gmail.com. And especially if, yeah, any of these these things we're talking about are things that you've had to experience or, or deal with in your own life, because that's definitely something we would love to hear about your experiences. We'd love to hear about if if you've seen any of those same themes or if you saw other ones that we totally missed or if you completely disagree with us because again everybody's experience is different and we would love to have that feedback and and that engagement yeah exactly it's it's why we like to keep that question about ourselves and that disclaimer of who we are and, and our experiences at the beginning of the podcast because we recognize that we don't have every experience you know and we cannot Mm -hmm. represent that and so this obviously represents our own experiences but we we really would love to hear from from those who have you know even contrasting or or widely different views definitely we also always appreciate when you leave us a rating or a view and you make sure you subscribe to us and to tell a friend because that's always always really helpful as well we want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo you can find her designs at lacelet.com or by searching for lacelet on facebook or instagram it's not too late for those orders before the holidays. Yeah, get those in. Now. Do it do it now, actually. You can, no, you right can now. pause the pause pause the podcast. <laughs> okay, welcome back. I'm glad you ordered that. <laughs> well, with that, we're gonna wrap up this week's episode. Thank you very, very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Till then, geek, geek out! out.